We're starting a series of sermons, actually a mini-series, because uh, this is only going to go for three weeks, called Postures of Peace. And we need this posture of peace in this very anxious world in which we live. It, it hit home to me personally not too long ago, called uh, someone in Alabama just asking about the family and, and, of course, inquired about the children. And I didn't even ask for this. They said, oh, we're homeschooling our kids now. I said, oh, that's interesting. And before I could even ask why, I said, because we are so afraid of school shootings. We're so afraid of school shootings. So we have our kids at home because we know and feel that they'll be safer there. Now, this is in Vestavia Hills, Alabama. For those of you that aren't familiar with that, that's a pretty nice area in the suburbs of Birmingham. And he's, he's afraid to send his child or children to school. Wow. Oh, Lord, we need to develop a posture of peace with all the anxiousness around. My stars. I, when I was growing up, the only thing I got scared about going to school was tests. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't imagine going to school and worrying about a school shooting. I mean, that didn't even cross my mind. But yet, that's weighing on the parents in our nation this day. Oh, we need to develop these postures of peace that help us in this anxious time. Of course, what we read about online and the, and the internet has, has caused the flames of anxiousness to spark within all of our own hearts. And we, we see that political leaders, well, they tend to emphasize what makes us scared rather than what unites us. We see that in the news. We, we know that when you go online and, and the stories that get the most clicks are those headlines that cause us to be anxious and afraid. Yes, we live in anxious times being fanned by the society around us. Oh, in the midst of all the news and all the turmoil and all the, the sensational headlines, we need to develop postures of peace. Because if we are at peace, we can endure whatever's going on in the world. I know I've told this story, but it bears highlighting again. It's about a, a woman named Verna in a little town called Bruton, Alabama. Uh, there's some people here that know that. Back before I get any further, I want to let you know that the man that helped me come to Christ is here, Herb Sadler, um, and his wife, Barbara. Uh, they, uh, he was my pastor uh, when I was a kid at the Mary Esther United Methodist Church. And um, what a shock, what a honor. So thank you, Herb, um, for being here. Drove four hours. So anyways. I knew that was going to happen. That's why I didn't do it. But it, so thank you for coming, Herb. Thank you, Barbara. We'll talk some more. But anyways, in this little community of Bruton, there's a woman named Verna, and uh, she had a recurrence of cancer, and I was praying with uh, Verna. And I said, Verna, how can I, how can I pray for you? She said, well, of course, pray that I'll be healed. But more importantly, Ed, pray that I'll be free from fear. Because if I'm free from fear, I can handle anything. Now, I called back to Bruton a few weeks ago to check on somebody, and Verna happened to be there with that person, and I said, how are you doing, Verna? She said, I'll never forget you saying that if uh, the, the true definition of joy isn't the absence of suffering, it's the presence of God, and I've held on to that. She's had many bouts re with reoccurrence of cancer. She said, I've held on to those words, and I've been free from fear throughout it all. Guys, if we're at a posture of peace, we can handle anything. We can handle anything. So that's why we are uh, doing this little mini-series uh, about 
developing a posture of peace in the midst of the turmoil of the world. And we're going to start out with a very appropriate psalm, Psalm 46. And I'm, I'm going to preach it a bit differently. Yeah, I'm going to tell stories. Don't worry about that. Herb taught me that. I still remember the Carter's Pill story, Herb, if you, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'll tell some stories. But we're going to divide the text up into several different sections. And then we're going to end each of the sections with um, the word selah. And or selah, or you know, who knows how you really pronounce it. Someone from uh, Northwest Florida, South Alabama. I mean, I can pronounce it however I want to. Uh, but as you saw, if Jess McLean's offers the Selah service or the Selah service, it means to pause and to give praise. So we're going to take time, read the first section, end with Selah, pause a minute, I'll talk a little bit, and then we're going to go back to that text, that section, and I'll encourage you in a guided way uh, to pray, okay? So here on Psalm 46, I'm going to read it from the screen and y'all can follow along with me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, you hear that? Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, Selah, Selah. Breathe in a minute. Breathe in the very fact that God is your refuge and your strength. The word refuge is, is a word that's used throughout the Psalms. It, it is used in Psalm 11 that says, well, God is my refuge. In, in Psalm 57, it said, under the shadow of your wings, I take refuge. Psalm 59 says, God, you are my deliverance, my stronghold, my refuge. And we see in Psalm 59 uh, where God, you are my deliverer. You are my refuge. No, the Psalm doesn't say or the scripture doesn't say that God takes away the troubles, that God uh, banishes all those problems that the psalmist or whoever is dealing with. God doesn't take away the suffering. No, God is a refuge in the midst of the suffering. God is a refuge in the midst of the suffering. God is there uh, helping us deal with these things, to not grow anxious with the things that are going on in our lives. For y'all, I can tell you from personal experience, bad things happen. Being a follower of Jesus Christ does not make us immune from the struggles and pain of this world. But in the midst of it, we have a refuge, a safe place, a harbor. For that's what a refuge is, a place that you can go to in the midst of all the turmoil, all the chaos. It's a place that you, I can feel safe. Even though bad things are happening in my life and in your life, it's a place of security and feel like no matter what's going on, it's going, I'm going to be okay. Many of y'all might recall the all-star pitcher, Dave Dravecki. He pitched for the Padres and then the San Francisco Giants. He was very open with his Christian faith back in, in the 1980s. He even played in the World Series. But during the height of his career, he developed a rare form of cancer in his left arm. And Dave Dravecki pitched with his 
left hand. And everyone thought his career was over. He was, you know, no, no longer be able to play baseball, but through great treatment, hard work, a lot of perseverance, he got to go back and pitch again. Uh, he even won a game, and that's a hard thing to do as a Major League Baseball player. And so he was on top of the world again, or so he thought, in his second ball game in the sixth inning, playing in Montreal, he threw a pitch, and his arm snapped, broke. And he, you might, if you can re remember back that far, or if you've seen uh, the replays of it, it was, you could tell he's in severe pain. He fell on the, on the ground in, in agony. And he said this, God, you took me to the mountaintop. And then before the whole world, I was drugged down to the bottom of the pit again. The cancer had come back. And Dave Dravecki, in order to save his life, had to amputate his left arm, his pitching arm, the way he made a living. And he said this, though. He said, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pain, God did not change. God was still God. God was who God is, a refuge. Now he had to go through some struggles. He had to go through therapy. He had to go through rehab. But he said in the midst of it all, God was still God. God was still God. And he wrote later on this, a very telling thing about American Christianity. Only in America do we ask for problems to be removed. Christians in other countries ask for stronger backs so that they can endure what they're going through. Because they know that God is a refuge in the midst of whatever pain they're dealing with. God is a refuge, you see, for us. Whatever you are going through, whatever you are dealing with, Whatever a family member is struggling with, God is your refuge. He is there for you. He will keep you free from the thing that is the worst part of any struggle. That's fear. Remember in 1 John 4, perfect love casts out fear. That's what a refuge is. Even in the midst of storm, we're free from fear. So we're going to read again this, this first part of the psalm. So it's going to be on the screen again. There you go. Thank you. Way to go, Zach. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble and its tumult. God is a refuge and strength. Reflect on that line just a moment. Think about somebody you know that's going through a difficult time. Think about that. Lift them up and say this, God is my refuge and strength. Can you say that? God is my refuge and strength. Think about what you're dealing with in your own life. It may be a health issue. It may be a family problem, it may be financial crisis, it may be something that has been weighing on you a long, long time, some burden, some hidden sinfulness. Well, hear this, God is your refuge and your strength.
a refuge in the midst of it all, a place of peace. Say that again. God is my refuge and strength. Now, let's read the next part of the psalm, please. Thank you. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of this city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The imagery here may be a little unfamiliar to us, but let's think about when this was written in a time when cities were built with walls around them because they were trying to be protected from the siege of a foreign army. And a city that had a river running through it was sought to be something that couldn't be conquered, impenetrable. That's a hard word for me to say. But the river provided, what, water for the people? There's fish in the, in the river, so they provided food. So if you had a river running through it, you thought your city was safe and secure. And to be in a city like that, well, they thought there's no enemy that can conquer us. And so that's the image that the psalmist is presenting to us, that, that, that we have this city that is, well, can't be conquered, can't be taken. Well, we know that in some ways that did happen. Jerusalem itself had a waterway that was built by Hezekiah to, to help during sieges, and it, it fell several times. But what this is really referring to is the imagery that has the bookends of the Bible. At the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, there's a river that flows through the garden that brings forth the waters of life. And at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, there is the river that flows from the throne of God, healing the nations. In the midst of all the, the turmoil of the world, in the midst of the wars in various places like in Ukraine and in, in Palestine and Israel, there is this hope that there's a river that will flow that will bring healing to the nations. And in the meantime, those who are dealing with such chaos and turmoil in places like that and, and in our own country, we have this river that flows from us that cannot be conquered because it is tied to this one who is changeless, this God who is our refuge, the Lord of hosts who is with us, the God of Jacob who is our refuge. And y'all, we need to hear this in our day and time. Chapman University does a survey every year on the things that scare Americans the most. They've been doing it for many years. And used to be the thing that scared Americans the most was the death of a loved one. But in the most recent surveys that have been done, here's the, here's the things that cause Americans to fear. Corruption in government, economic collapse, war, uh, with Russia, nuclear war with Russia, the United States get involved in a, a world war. Fifth on the list is death of a loved one. The things swirling around in our world today are causing much anxiousness and much fear. And this fear is being, being fl inflamed by politicians and by the, some in the news media. 
that are causing people to be anxious. And when people are anxious, they do crazy things. There's anger that stirs up, that people become bitter. They begin to treat each other as less than a child of God that they're created, that each person's created in the image of. But God is saying, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the turmoil, there's a river that can flow that will bring healing to the nations, that will remove the fear that will remove the anxiousness and removes the anger and the treating of others as less than a human being. Oh, how we need to hear words that deliver us from fear. In one of the most fear-inducing times in our nation's history, the Great Depression, my parents lived through that. Many of y'all's parents and grandparents did too. We knew that it was a very troubling time. Over a quarter of the Americans were without jobs, food lines wrapped around uh, blocks and blocks in our big cities. Suicide rates went up as wealth was vanished in an instant. My papa, whose helmet is there, by the way, and I want to thank Diane Rose for creating this beautiful display up there. My, my papa fought in World War I, and though he went part of the bonus army that went to Washington, he knew people that did, and they were trampled by active federal troops because all they were trying to do is get some money that was, they thought was due to them because of their service in the war. Anxious times. Drumbeats of war were happening in the Far East and in Europe. In the midst of it all, the leader of our nation at the time, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, what? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And though he didn't say this, for those of us who are claiming God as our refuge and our strength, the only thing we have to fear is fear ourselves itself. Because even though the, the earth should shake and there's tumults in the nations, and though the, the nations melt, which back then they couldn't imagine really literally happen in our day and time with thermonuclear weapons, we can. Even with all that, we know that we can hold on to this river of life that brings forth us hope and peace and a healing to the nations. And we who are followers of God in Jesus Christ, well, we are to be instruments of that healing as we are free from fear ourselves. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. We're gonna read that again and I'm gonna lead us quickly through a meditation on that. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. That sounds like today, doesn't it? The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is with us. It matters not if there's wars and rumors of wars in places far and near. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. It matters not if there's economic collapse or calamity all around us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. It matters not who's the president of the United States. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The last part. 
Come behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has wrought on the earth. He makes the wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. We're not very still people. We don't sit silently very well. We have something that occupies our mind all the time. A lot of times it's what we carry in our back pockets or in our purses, that that phone. Uh, It's amazing as you go around, you'll see people with their noses in the phones looking at who knows what, probably checking Auburn scores, which they won, by the way, hallelujah. Uh, there, there are all sorts of things that people are looking at that distract their minds. There's all sorts of things that people are doing that causes their mind not to focus or to be still enough to hear the still, small voice of God whispering in their hearts. We know in 1 Kings where Elijah goes to Mount Horeb and to escape all the tumult and the turmoil in the, in the nation and in his own life. And he's told to go here and listen for God. And he, here was a big earthquake. God, he didn't hear God in that. There was a big fire. God, he didn't hear God in that. There was a storm. He didn't hear God in that. But it was only when he was quiet enough to hear a still small voice that he heard the voice of God. How often do you quiet yourself to listen? As the text of encouragement said today, are you being quiet enough to hear the Lord speak words of love into your life? Are you being quiet enough? Because it's only in the whisper that the Lord will speak and that we can hear. And he's whispering to us all the time. He wants to carry on that. He's carrying on that conversation with you. Are we quiet enough to hear? It's in the whisper that we can hear this word. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I love to read uh, other preachers uh, and their stories and and what they talk about, how they approach text. And James Moore, uh, a famous pastor who uh, was one of the great ministers in our tradition, uh, tells a story uh, about a woman named Phyllis Martin in Columbus, Ohio, who tells about a time when a tornado was hitting near their elementary school, the Alpine Elementary School. And the tornado was happening right then and there. They couldn't call the parents in to get the kids, so they had to grab all the kids and rush them down into the basement. Now, if you've ever been in a place where a tornado hits, you know, you have to get in, in the interior hallway. And this, this place is fortunate enough to have a basement. They took all the kids there, and they heard the rattling, the rumbling of the storm outside. They heard all the wind beating against the windows and the trees against the, against the roof. And it was scary. And the kids were all in a panic. And, and the principal tried to get a sing-along going. Well, that didn't work. And there was a teacher, though, of faith within the, the midst of them. And she whispered to the little girl next to her, said, Sally, tell someone next to you that God is here. And so Sally told little Jill next to her that God is here and Jill told Bobby and Bobby told Fred and you know what happened it passed all the way around to all those students there in the basement of that elementary school that was being hit by a tornado and Phyllis Martin said it's like a, a calm blanket covered all those children 
because they heard the word that God is here. They're in the midst of the storm. Didn't take the tornado away, but they were there in the midst of that storm knowing that God is here. And Phyllis Martin said it was amazing when we left that basement. There was lots of times a lot of jabbering and punching and all that. The kids were as calm as could be. And she said it reminded me in the storms of our lives that God is near. Note, friends, that they didn't shout that God is near. Those children whispered to each other, hey, God is here, God is here, God is here, God is here. For you see, y'all, it's in the whispers that we hear that word. In our own personal tragedy, it wasn't anything that anyone said or any music that we heard. It was someone just sitting there with us in the midst of the turmoil of our grief. It was a silent but present reminder that through the love of that person, God was in that place. Yes, are you being still enough to know that God is with you? Speaking words of grace into your life. Last part of the slide, please. Zeke, see. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The God of Jacob, but even more so the God of Adam and Eve, of Noah and Abraham, of Jacob and Isaac, of Moses and Miriam, of David and in Ruth, of Mary and Joseph, of Peter, James, and John, and Paul. That God is with you. Be still and know his presence near, banishing all your fear. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us pray. We come before you, God, grateful for the fact that you're here. Whether we make ourselves aware of that, Lord, forgive us for when we don't. But the reality of the fact is that you are here. Nothing changes that. For you are our refuge in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the turmoil of this world. You are here. And God, if you are here, no matter what happens, no matter what we're dealing with, you're a safe harbor, a refuge, and what can enable us, even when the storms are around us, to have a center of peace that enables us to be free from anything that causes us fear, even when we're dealing with some terrible things. The Lord, we pray that we might know your presence as we still our hearts and minds and open our lives to you. All this we ask in the ultimate sign that you're with us, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen.